Hey, you guys, this is your girl, Yahira Jones, and welcome to another episode of Dating with Herpes. As always, it is my hope and prayer that you find this episode inspirational and informative. Last episode, I finished up part two of He Said, She Said, where I talked about the importance of setting realistic expectations. I hope you guys liked part two. I got some really good feedback on both episodes, especially part one. On this episode, I wanted to talk about living without limits. A lot of times we believe that because we've been diagnosed with herpes, that we now have invisible limits on our lives. And the standards and expectations that we had for our life and love are now unattainable. That's a lie. So the last two episodes, I talked about how to set new standards and expectations. Now it's time to live in them. So let's get started. know about you but when I was younger I always had a vision for the life I wanted to live once I got grown okay first and foremost I wanted to be married with four to five kids have a nice four-bedroom house I wanted to travel out of the country have a successful business etc etc as you already know I'm not married nor do I have kids but I also do not have the house of my dreams I don't travel as much as I would like to. And now I'm starting to wonder why, why is that? In my mind, I always felt that these things would be with my future husband or my partner. I didn't want to buy a house by myself and have such a huge responsibility on my shoulders. How would I maintain it by myself? What if I lost my job? What if I needed major repairs and didn't have the money to do it? Then what? I didn't like the idea of going on trips by myself. Going to the beach would be so much better if I had someone I loved with me. I didn't want to see other couples walking hand in hand and I was walking all by myself. And I definitely didn't want to have children by myself. I saw how much my mom sacrificed to raise me as a single parent parent, and I realized early that I didn't want to do it by myself, so I didn't. That was then. This is now. Now that I'm 44, I'm like, okay, girl, how long are you going to keep waiting to do the things that you want to do? How long are you going to keep waiting to get this dream home that you've always wanted for yourself just because you're not married? So now (laughs) I'm in the process of looking for my dream home. I've been approved for the home and I'm not just going to get any old home, even though my realtor is trying to get me into anything. I want the home that I've always wanted. I don't want to have to move again. You know, I can move again. I'm young enough to still move again. But I want the home that I want, the home that I've been dreaming about. I don't want to wait to get married anymore. And it could be because I'm getting older that I'm just saying I don't want to wait. But part of it is like, yeah, I'm going to live the life I've always dreamed now. Now I'm learning to enjoy myself taking solo trips. Now, I haven't taken that many But I have taken a couple, one of which was a trip to Myrtle Beach. And I walked on the beach by myself. I've had the sunset walk on the beach by myself. And yes, there were couples on the beach walking hand in hand. But guess what? I enjoyed my sunset walk on the beach. It was beautiful watching the sunset. You know, up until a point, at some point I had to 
use my flashlight to, <laughs> to get back to my hotel because it started getting dark, but it was still beautiful to walk on the beach by myself. And on that trip, I even took a solo helicopter ride and I waited an hour to take that helicopter ride because the the people in at the um, helicopter place, um, they was like, it didn't, it wasn't cost efficient for to just take one person. They was going to have to charge me for two people to take, you know, to take the ride. And so I was like, okay, I'll just wait to see if anyone else comes in and wants to take a solo trip and we could take it together. And I waited for an hour. I waited for an hour and the person or the manager or whoever finally said, you know what, we're going to let you go ahead and go on this solo helicopter trip by yourself. And we're only going to charge you for one person. And it was amazing. I'll never do it again. <laughs> but it was an amazing experience taking that trip by myself. Now I'm in a, also entertaining the idea of raising a child by myself. Because I've always wanted to be a mother. I've always wanted to be a mother. And so now I'm entertaining the idea of fostering a child. My mom did fostering when I was growing up. Um, she said she did it because she didn't she wanted me to have the experience of having, um, someone else to grow up with because I was a single child. So she fostered, um, children. And I said, you know what, this could be an experience to see how I would be as a mother. I can, I can foster someone else, someone else's child who's unable to take care of their child themselves with the addition of having the financial support to help raise that child just to see if I, you know, if I could do this mothering thing, you know, by myself. Right. So I'm entertaining that as well. I'm also entertaining that as well. Why? Because now I've set new standards and expectations for my life. Now I said, you know what? Maybe I can do this by myself. Why do I have to wait to live and do the things that I want to do? You see how these two episodes tie together, the standards and expectations, not just with relationships, but also have set standards and expectations for your life. You know what I'm saying? So let's talk about these imaginary limits that we set on our lives because of HSV2. You know, we do that, right? We set these imaginary um, limitations. Like we can't do this anymore just because we have HSV2, just because we have herpes. So some of the imaginary limitations that we do is we say, now that I have herpes, I can't have a normal sex life. That's a lie. Now that I have herpes, no one will ever accept me. That's another lie. Now that I have herpes, I will never get married. Well, you see... I don't know if I shared this with this audience. I definitely shared it on DWH, but one of our DWH members just got married. So now we see, well, I already knew it, but now that's an example for everyone else that yes, you can find love um, after being diagnosed with herpes. We even heard that through Wanda. Wanda didn't, didn't have herpes and he married his wife because he loved her. So we know that's not that's not the truth. That's a lie. Now that I have herpes, I will never have kids. One of my very best friends has five children, and she had herpes for all of them, and none of her children ever had, um, never never had herpes. They never she never transmitted that to them. Now that I have herpes, I will never find love. That's a lie. Now that I have herpes, my life is over. That is a lie. All of those statements that I just mentioned, they're lies. 
But these are some of the things that we say to ourselves very often. I've said it to myself. I know because these are the things that I believed about myself. All of those things that I just mentioned, those were things that I I was telling myself repetitively. I believed it. I believed it like with my whole heart that I would never find love. I believe with my whole heart that I would never have children. And even though I don't have children, but I believed it was because of that that I wouldn't have children. Now I've started to correct myself when I have these negative thoughts or when I say things that are contrary to what I want for my life. Now there's a biblical proverb that says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. And this is Proverbs 18, 21. What this simply means is that we have the power to speak things into existence. We can speak whether we live or whether we die, whether a situation lives or whether a situation die, whether I want to be married, I'm going to be married or I'm going to be single for the rest of our lives. How do we have the power to put that into existence? Because if we say it enough, to ourselves, we believe it. And then we kind of push that out, as some people say, into the universe. And that's what we attract. We're magnets to the things that we think about ourselves. If I keep thinking that I'm going to be sick, and this is something I had to stop saying. Like I I had a tendency, like at my job, (laughs) say for instance, I would say these people make me sick. These people make me sick. I hate this place. These people make me sick. And I had to start saying to myself, okay, Yahweh, you have to watch what you say. If I keep saying that these people make me sick, then what's going to happen? I'm going to become sick. Because why? I'm going to allow their energy to raise my blood pressure. I'm going to have high blood pressure, which I already do have. But then it could also cause other things to happen in my body. I can be tense all the time. I could be stressed all the time because of the things that people do. And then I say, these people make me sick. And if I keep saying it, it'll manifest. Our mouths are very powerful. We don't realize how much power we have. Just like this proverb said, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You have to be careful about the things that we say. Because when we say it, we believe it. We believe it. If we keep saying it, we, we believe it. When we continue to say that no one will accept me, we begin to believe it. Then what happens when someone enters our lives and wants to love us and accept, you know, this virus, we think something's wrong with them because we believed we've been saying to ourselves over and over and over again, no one's going to accept me. No one's going to love me. So then when somebody does come and accept us, accept us and love us, we're like, what's wrong with this person? Why do they accept what I have when I can't even accept it? Something's wrong with them. They must have it. And I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of saying this. I think I've even said it on this podcast. They must have it. That's why they accept. <laughs> Something's wrong with them. They must have it too. Why would they want to be with me knowing that I have this? So we sabotage the relationship before it even begins. We, we sabotage it before it even begins. Then when the person throws in the towel and say, you know what? This is too hard. It's too hard for me to convince you that I want to be with you. So they throw in the towel. They say, I'm done. I can't do it. I I can't continue to fight you and convince you that I want to be with you, that I care about you, that I don't care about this virus. 
because you keep throwing it back in my face. What is wrong with you? They throw in the towel. And then what do we do? I knew nobody wanted to be with me. I knew you didn't want to be with me. I knew that you wouldn't want to love me through it. No, crazy. You made your fear a reality. You didn't even recognize that you were the problem, not the other person. They wanted to love you, but you couldn't see or you couldn't love yourself enough to see that this person wanted to love you. Your fear became a reality. You were the problem. You put this out here. You were the one that kept saying, I don't believe that he could love me. I don't believe that she could love me. I don't believe that he can accept me. I don't believe that she will ever accept me if I'm, if I'm real with her. She won't be able to handle it. And guess what? They couldn't. Fear is so powerful. We don't realize how much fear controls our lives. We don't realize it. Not to say that all fear is bad, but there is, there is actually such thing as a healthy amount of fear. There's, there's, there's a positive side of fear, but I'm not talking about that. Now, the positive side of fear, a healthy um, side of fear is like me having a fear of sharks. As much as I like swimming in the ocean, that healthy fear of shark keeps my behind from swimming out too far, okay? But the unhealthy side of fear is when we believe something so much. We believe that something is not going to happen. We believe that, you know, there's not a positive especially when it comes to this, this virus, that there's no positive going to come out of it. You know, we believe that. Fear will actually rob you of living the life that you want to live. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you an example of how fear robbed me. Fear robbed me of eight years of my life. And some of you may have already heard this story, but I'm going to say it again. <laughs> In my late 20s, in my late 20s, I got tired of dating. My 20s were hard. Those were the hardest years of my life when it came to disclosing. Y'all know that I was diagnosed when I was 21. I had sex for the first time and contracted the virus with my first partner. So I was sexually inexperienced and I had low self-esteem. So that combination wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't the best, but now I have this on top of having you know, low self-esteem. And now I have to disclose to my potential partner that, Hey, Oh, by the way, I have herpes. <laughs> it was difficult. So my delivery was not easy. I remember I used to cry when I disclosed. Now I'm like, I don't care. You could like it or you could hate it. I, I really don't give a, you know what I'm saying? You could love it or hate it. Whichever way you could go. I mean, I could go too. It doesn't matter to me anymore. But back then it was very difficult. So disclosing with having low self-esteem, disclosing with, you know, really not knowing too much about this virus. So I couldn't really speak confidently. I got a lot of rejection, a lot of rejection. I even had one dude call me everything but a child of God after disclosing and we were never intimate. The only thing that we did was kiss. And I, and I didn't understand it. And as a result, I began to shelter myself. I began to guard myself. I threw up a wall so high that God himself had a tough time getting in. <laughs> Out of fear, I used my religion to hide me. Out of fear, I used my religion to hide me. I said, I will not be intimate with another man unless God gives me a sign that he was the one. 
And y'all know God don't operate like that. <laughs> he, don't, he don't operate like that. So y'all know, I was actually celibate for eight years under the guise that God would send me a sign and let me know that this man, that the man that he wanted for me was the one. And that's when I would end my celibacy. That was just, that was just a mask for my fear. I used religion to mask my fear of being rejected. I didn't want to be rejected anymore. So instead of disclosing, I would tell the guy I was celibate and have him reject me for celibacy. And then that way I could say, oh, so you just want to have sex with me. That's it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and they would never know that I had herpes because we would ne- I would never have to disclose. The only time I would disclose to a man is if I knew I wanted to be intimate with him. I wouldn't tell him before then. There was no reason for that. So if I'm telling him, hey, I'm celibate, we getting to know each other. And I said, hey, I'm celibate. And he was like, oh, I can't handle a celibacy. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not giving you any. So we could go about our separate ways. That was, that was my mask. I used my faith. I used my religion as a mask to shelter me. And this went on for eight years. I wouldn't allow anyone to get too close. And getting close didn't necessarily mean having sex. But I was so guarded that that I'm celibate, quote unquote, became my shield. My sign on a post, if you will. It was a sign at the gate. There was some that attempted to get close, but they couldn't get too close because I was so guarded that they eventually would give up. Isn't that sad? <laughs> That's what I said. I wasted. I wasted. I started doing that when I was 27. And I didn't stop until I was 38. So actually, it was, no, it wasn't 38. It wasn't 38. I was 36. So it was eight, uh, almost nine years. Eight to nine years. And, and I, I look back over those years and I'm just like, God. That was a waste. Those years were a waste. I did nothing. Those were my saddest years ever. And not to say that sex is everything, but I guarded myself those years. I guarded myself. I wouldn't allow anyone to penetrate those walls. (laughs) Pun not intended, but I would not allow anyone to get close to me. Because I was so afraid of being rejected that I said, you know what? I'm locking it in. Nobody can get in here. Now, what does it mean to live without limits? It means that you live without fear. We will never hold, we will never know what the future holds, what it has in store. Try as we may, we can't predict it. So we don't know what will happen if we even open ourselves up to the possibility. It could be good or it could be bad. We don't know. But we will never know if we don't open ourselves up to the possibilities. We'll never know if we keep guarding ourselves. 
So I found the article, as I always do when I do these podcasts, (laughs) and the article comes from the Functional Medical Institute. And it's an article that was called Four Keys to Living a Life Without Limits. So I wanted to go over some of the things that they talked about. And they start off by saying, you must live with a can-do attitude to truly live a life without impossibilities. The can't-do attitude is the foundation of all fears. Let's face it, limitations are real. But it doesn't mean that limitations create impossibilities. Here are some keys to eliminating your own limits and living with possibility. Number one, it says you must get control of you. It says you you cannot lead someone to a place you have never been. Live it first. Embrace the experience and practice what you preach. Understand you are not perfect, but do not live an intentional hypocritical life. (laughs) Hypocritical life. Lord, I can't speak today. (laughs) But I believe that's true. The only person I've said this time and time again, you can only control you. You can't control the outcome of someone else. You don't know what their reaction is going to be right? So since you don't know it, just live it and just accept the reaction. However, it's going to be. Yeah. It's, it's hard when you get rejected, rejected, rejected. Can I speak tonight? It's hard when we get rejected. It's not an easy thing, but guess what you could do? You could control you. You can choose to say, you know what? I'm not going to let this stop me and I'm going to keep on going. And whoever rejects me, they can do whatever they want to do. They can continue to live their lives. But for me, I'm going to keep moving. All right. And I know that's not a strong point, but I think, <laughs> trust me, having that mentality of, I don't care what the outcome is going to be. If it's, if it is positive, then wonderful. If it's not, I'm going to be okay. You can only control you. Choose to be okay. Choose to be okay. I think that's the point that I'm I'm trying to get to. Make the choice to be okay. Yeah, rejection is hard. And you can do one of two things. You can sit and wallow in and say, oh, I can't believe that this person rejected me. This is so sad. I really wanted this person to love me. Or you can say, you know what? It's okay that they don't love me. I want someone that's going to love me regardless of what's going on. I want that death do us part, sickness and health. You know what I'm saying? I want that type of love. And if you can't handle a skin disease, if you can't handle a couple of bumps, a couple of months out of the year, then you ain't for me, bruh. Like, cause you ain't going to be able to handle cancer. You feel me? You ain't going to be able to handle when I'm really sick. You know what I'm saying? Who's going to take care of me then if you can't take care of me now? Hello? Like, that's the point I'm trying to make. You know what I'm saying? So choose life. You control you. You going to be okay, boo. You going to be okay. (laughs) Hey, number two, it says, your change starts with what you put in your mind. It says, fill your mind and thoughts with can-do positivity. Evaluate. Is your life and your family a place where positivity reigns? If not, why? 
And I think we, we just talked about that. When I said that life and death lies in the power of your own tongue, what you think and what you say is who you are. Right. So if you have all of this negative thought about yourself, if you're like this, woe is me, have this woe is me mentality. I'm never going to be happy because I have this. I'm never going to attain the things I want because my life is not what I thought it was going to be. Then you won't. You have to change your, your state of mind. And I know this easier said than done. It's a process. It's a process. It was a process for me. I've been at my lowest of lows at times and I had to pull myself back out. And that's something that you can do. It takes time. I'm not saying that it's going to your, your mentality and your way of thinking changes overnight, but it starts with a spark. You know, you say to yourself, I'm, I'm not happy like this. Something's got to give. Something's got to give. And I got to figure out what it is to change my life around. It lies in me. It goes back to point number one. It lies in me. It starts with me, not nobody else. Finding a man or finding a woman that accepts me is cool. But do you accept you? Right? It starts with you. Do you accept you? You're not going to get the outcomes that you want until you make that change in yourself. Because it's going to be hard for someone. Don't make it hard for someone to, to get you to that place. Your change don't doesn't depend on someone else. It's, it depends on you. That's why it's like what I used to say. Like I have a, a family member who is an alcoholic. I mean, bad. Bad to this day. He's been an alcoholic for years. And my mother is her favorite nephew. And I hate to say that, but it is. It's her favorite nephew. She She practically raised him. That's why... He's her favorite. And she stressed about him so much. And I had to keep telling her, I don't know why you're worried so much about him. You can't change him. He's the only person that's going to change himself. He has to hit bottom before he's going to want to change. And he's not there. You enabling him doesn't help him. You cannot change him. He is the only one that has the power to change himself. She still tries because she's, you know, old school. But really and truly, you're the one that changed yourself. You're the one that changed your situation. Number three, it says inner change brings outer results. These all tie in together. It says real and general, real and genuine results gain attention and garner great influence. True and lasting change does not begin on the outside. It does not come from a doctor, a preacher, or a pill. That's what I was just saying. It does not come from a doctor, a preacher, a pill, a person, a spouse, a child. It comes from within. It is the heart change that brings results. You're not going to find that type of love that you're looking for until you change the inside. You have to find yourself worthy before someone else will find you worthy. If you take nothing else from what I'm saying on this episode, your worth comes from within. No one else will see your worth until you find it. You have to find it for yourself. Number four, and last note, outer results fuel greater influence. You want to... You want to really impact the world? Show people authentic results. 
folks want to see genuineness. What have you been through and what roles have you traveled? And I, I can say that this is a testimony with me because of this podcast. Y'all know the difference. Y'all can attest the difference from when I first started this podcast to now. This is a different Yahira. But this was a fight. This was a fight. This was not an easy climb. I was in a valley experience. I was at a very low point in my life when I started this podcast. And it was only by God's grace that put that seed for me to record that night so that it could be an inspiration for so many people that are listening. And I'm not tooting my own horn because this this wasn't me that started this podcast. This was God. (laughs) And I'm not preaching. I don't want to preach, but this really was a God intended platform. I would have never thought I would be doing this. I would have never thought I would share my experience with strangers. Never in a million years. So I know this was something that was intended to be great. And I can I can think about it. Y'all want to know what will make me cry? This is a song. It's a gospel song. I tell you guys, you know, I love music. But my first love in music was gospel music. I love gospel music more than any form of music because of the inspiration. It's a very inspirational um, genre of music. So the times when I'm low, that's what I went to. Even to this day, when I'm having a bad day, I'll go to a gospel song and it helps lift my spirits. I don't want to listen to something sad when I'm sad. Why do I want to be sad? I want to be happy. You know what I'm saying? I want hope. And that's what gospel music does for me. And there's this one song called um, Fighting For by an artist named Brian Courtney Wilson. And that song makes me cry every time I hear it. And it's not sad tears, but it's grateful tears. It's tears of happiness because I remember when I was in that valley. I remember what it felt like. I remember wanting to give up on everything. I didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I didn't see any hope. I was like, what is the point? Like, if I'm going to live this life alone for the rest of my life, if I'm not going to um, find love, if I'm not going to have a family, if I'm not going to be happy, then what's the point? What is the point? My word of inspiration to you today comes from that song. We don't know what's going to happen in life. We can't predict it. We can't. But we shouldn't give up because the outcome on the other side of it can be so great. But we, we will never know if we give up. We won't ever know if it gets easy if we give up today. Can it get harder? Absolutely. But we don't know it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the thing about life. We don't know what's going to happen. Something can happen instantly and change the whole projector of our life. We're going to have valley experiences. But take it from me. Take it from your girl, Yahira. I'm about to cry because I know what it's like to be down. And for those who are listening, who have that sense of hopelessness, don't give up. Really. And I didn't think that this episode was going to turn this way. 
But I don't want you to give up. I don't want you to give up. I don't want you to give up. It gets better. It's hard today. In time, it'll get better. In time, it will get better. Take it one day at a time. In time, it will get better. Would it always be better? No. I've had some dips. I've climbed the mountain and fell a little bit. I climbed up, fell a little bit. I climbed up, fell a little bit. But I'm better than what I was, what, four years ago. I'm in a better place. I want to do something real bootleg right now. (laughs) I want to do something real bootleg for all of my um, 70s and 80s babies. You remember back when used to do a recording, like we used to do a voicemail recording, used to play a song in the background and talk over the song. (laughs) You would hold your phones to your radio to play your favorite song in the background and you would leave like, hey, you've reached your Hira. I'm not able to come to the phone right now. (laughs) Y'all remember that? Well, I'm going to do something a little bootleg just like that. I want to play a little bit of the song Worth Fighting For by Brian Courtney Wilson. I just want to play the first few verses and let it resonate with you that you don't know what the future holds, right? You don't know what the future holds, but don't give up. Live without limits. Don't limit your life and say, I can't because of this. I can't because of that. I can't. Live limitless. Your life and the things that you want, how, however you dreamed your life to be, it's worth fighting for it. It might not be it right now, but it's worth fighting for it. So this is Brian Courtney Wilson worth fighting for. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing the bootleg. Back back in the day. <laughs> back in the day um, recording, but listen. You met me. To show me you would never leave me there. You claim me because I was made for so much more. I am your child, and I'm worth fighting for. Oh, heavy with the weight of my mistakes, you carried me and refused to let me sink under the pressure. You meant for me to soar, I am your child, and I'm worth fighting for. Eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, all you have planned for me. And nothing can separate me from your love, when there's so much more, still worth fighting for. Your life, your dreams, your hopes are worth fighting for. If you want love, it's worth fighting for it. Don't give up. Live limitless. All right. I'm your girl, Yahira Jones. If you want to reach me, you can message me at Yahira Jones Hope at gmail.com that is y-a-h-i-r-a-j-o-n-e-s-h-o-p-e at gmail.com you can also hit the show notes and leave me a message that way if you would like 
know that I can't respond to those show notes, but I love seeing them. Um, until next time, you guys, I hope you enjoy. I know I kind of went off topic, but I think it's necessary to know that times get hard, right? It gets hard out here. It's tough dating. It's tough dating. It's tough dating. My thing is I want to be married, right? And as tough as it is dating, I'm never going to give up. I'm never going to give up. I'm still fighting for it. I still want the family. However, whatever form it comes in, I still want the family. I still want the marriage. I still want the house. I still want the vacations. (laughs) And whatever form it come in, I want it. So I'm going to fight for it. All right. I'm your girl, Yahira Jones. Be safe and God bless.